In May 2015, there was a brief ceremony in London, outside the Regent Street Polytechnic as was, where a plaque to that place's history was unveiled. There's nothing especially remarkable in that. The capital's full of them. This one was a little different though, and then it marked the formation of the Pink Floyd. Was this a case of rock music edging a little further towards the establishment that it had once railed against, or just a reflection that the music created 40 or 50 years ago is going to have the same enduring relevance as that written by the classicists, and deserves to be recognised as such? You pay your money, and you take your choice of Learjet. What was more important was the attendance, laughing cheek by smiling Joel, of Roger Waters and Nick Mason, founder members of what became the Floyd back in those far-off polytechnic days. Seeing the two of them clearly enjoying each other's company, their hatchet long since buried following the days of open warfare that cleaved Pink Floyd in two, it was hard not to feel a pang of nostalgia for those far-off days when, for an imperial period that extended through the 1970s, they created a huge slab of the 20th century's finest music. It was also typically Floydian that even in that moment, the pall of absence hung over the proceedings, a mood and emotion that was at the heart of so much of their music. Be it the absence of Sid Barrett, or theirs from one another, this connection provided the fuel that ignited Roger Waters as a lyricist, and here it was again. Not the absence of Gilmore, something that could even now be dealt with, however improbable that may be. It was that of Richard Wright, a departure that sadly can never be rectified. Nearly 12 years ago, it was his death that sounded the final note in the saga of one of the world's most influential bands, and ended forever any fleeting hopes that the four-piece that produced such seminal recordings as The Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, and Wish You Were Here, could once again reunite on stage or in the studio. The final legacy of that Floyd was the brief reunion in aid of Live 8 in 2005, and perhaps it was better left at that, one last emotional blowout rather than the inevitable enmities that would have surfaced had Roger Waters and Dave Gilmore had to spend any length of time in one another's company thereafter. And yet it wasn't the end. Pink Floyd had one last piece of music left in them, one conjured, once again, from absence in tribute to the fallen right and to the unfinished music that he left behind. Another example of those who remained whispering, we wish you were here. It's richly ironic and deeply Floyd that the absent right, the quiet one to use Beatle vernacular, was the glue that drew Gilmore and Mason back together to give the band its coda, an elegiac push into the sunset. Wright was the hero of their last goodbye. Wright's contribution to the Floyd has long been overlooked, as he and drummer Nick Mason faded into the background, dwarfed by the more obvious gifts and the more voracious egos of their two colleagues in the post-Sid Floyd. But Wright was a cornerstone of the band in that golden period through the 1970s, when Floyd established themselves as second and enduring influence only to the Beatles themselves, a band that could sell records and tickets at the same alarming rate as Led Zeppelin. The myth and the mystery of Floyd the most faceless megastars in musical history, is such that it's hard to discern just what contribution each individual made. And in the end, does it matter? For whatever we might make of them as individuals, Pink Floyd were a unit, and that's how they were loved, perhaps right most of all. Gilmore and Waters, abrasive, aggressive, are creatures we admire, we revere. But love? Maybe not. For all that the songs that they wrote were often about fragility, vulnerability, neither man seemed to embody those beguiling characteristics as individuals, not on the public stage anyway. And yet Wright did. Quiet, diffident, seemingly out of place in the rock world, the self-taught keyboard player appeared to lack confidence in spite of being a consummate musician. A devotee of jazz, hugely influenced by Miles Davis, Wright was of that generation that looked to produce sounds just as much as what hitherto had been thought of as music. The single repeat note that provided the launch pad for Echoes, the piece that launched the Colossus that became 70s Floyd, is a perfect case in point. There's nothing there. It hangs and reverberates in the breeze, yet it evoked such a powerful mood and emotion it became the basis for 23 minutes of music that changed people's perception of what rock bands could do. 
Minimalism was certainly a big part of Wright's musical style, perhaps most famously crystallising that piano piece that opens the great gig in the sky. But he was a delightfully lyrical player too, a writer of the most gorgeous melodies, such as Us and Them, perhaps the single most beautiful song that Floyd ever released, the signature tune in so many ways. As Floyd gradually imploded under the weight of the success that they'd craved, Wright's role became increasingly marginalised beneath Waters' driving ambition. But still, Floyd were always a better band for his contribution, most tellingly on Shine On Your Crazy Diamond. Thereafter, internal politics saw Wright ousted from the group during the making of the war, and yet he asked to play the shows that followed, an oddly telling story about the nature of the band, so personal, so introspective, so fractious, yet so businesslike and so stiff upper-lipped. Hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. Wright returned for the post-Waters Floyd, and also toured with Gilmore in 2006, earning standing ovations at every show, due recognition of a fine musician and songwriter who played his full part in the story of a band who you still hear everywhere today, from trip-hop through ambient, from the orb to elbow. There was always an ache at the heart of Pink Floyd, its members all stretching out to find that missing piece of their souls. Their genius was to capture that on record in such a way that, if it didn't locate the grail, at least it helped those of us who shared that loneliness feel just a little less isolated. The Endless River stands as much as a tribute to Wright as it does on its own two feet. But the real epitaph for Richard Wright? That note from Echoes, hanging and reverberating in the breeze. <laughs>